0: Hello, and welcome to Your Quality of Life, Healthy Alternatives. I'm Dr. Christine Sauer, and I'm extremely happy today to have Dr. Alan Elaika with me. Dr. Alan is a leading cosmetic dermatologist for over 30 years that had himself some adversity change his path and now made him a public speaker, inspirational, and so much more. Welcome, Alan. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me, Christine. It is beautiful to be here today. Thank you for, for having me on
0: your show. I'm so happy to have you. Now, tell us a little bit about your story, because it's uh, it's not unusual for a doctor to fall in adversity, of, although most people think, doctor, heal yourself. Doctor, can't get sick. So what happened?
1: <laughs> well, it would be beautiful if doctors could just weave a magic wand and make ourselves perfect. But My story goes back to 2003. I was walking with my dear wife in Disneyland, and it's supposed to be the happiest place on earth, but my wife turned to me and said, what's wrong with you, son? What's wrong with you? And I said, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. She said, listen to your foot. Well, that was the stupidest thing I thought she could say. I said, dear, what do you mean, listen to your foot? She said, well, listen to it. Well, my right foot had suddenly and mysteriously developed a right foot drop. Now, Christine, you know that when you're walking, your brain is designed to lift your feet up when you're walking. Well, my right foot was slapping on the pavement with each step that I was taking. It just wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. And so she said, did you have a stroke? I said, dear, if I had a stroke... You know, I'd be lying on the pavement, saying something unimaginable. And so, no, I didn't have a stroke. Well, she said, when we get back, you better get this checked out. So what do you do, uh, Dr. Sauer, when your wife tells you to get something to get checked out?
0: Well, if it was my husband, he probably would go for it.
1: <laughs> yes. You know, if you're smart, you go for it, because... Otherwise, you're only going to give a lot of acrimony there. You're going to give a lot of problems. So when I got back, I saw hundreds of doctors. And they did CAT scans. They did brain scans. They did MRIs. They even did scan scans. And you know what they showed at the end of the day, Dr. Sauer? Not a single thing. The doctors were perplexed. They thought I had a brain tumor or... a a disc problem or something that was causing it, but they couldn't find anything. So, you know, when a doctor can't find something, uh, for those who are listening, a doctor does more tests and he does more tests and he does more tests. So I had tests that weren't even invented then. I had tests that they were just starting on. They did PET scans. They did EMGs. They did everything that they could possibly imagine. And still at the end of it, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. So they said, you know, we're going to figure this out. We're going to send you to a world-leading neurologist. Now, a neurologist is the brain doctor. He's the guy that has all the answers. He's the guy that understands the brain. Uh He's the guy that should figure it all out. Uh
0: So I walked
1: in and I said, hi. He said, hi. You better be sitting down when I tell you this. I said, why? I've got a dropped right foot. He said, no, you don't. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Get your affairs in order. In six months, you're going to be dead. I was taken aback. I mean, this was a ton of bricks that hit me all at once. So I asked him, is there a way to prove this diagnosis? He said, of course, on autopsy.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, so i said i'm not going to die to prove you wrong but you know when you go through something like this uh, you go through a period of time that you just can't function right you go through the phases that elizabeth Kubler ross wrote in her book on death and dying and she said there's five phases a person goes through when they're dying they go through anger anger you know anger dr sawyer that's when you bite the head off nails you're angry at the world you're mad you go through that phase you through go through bargaining oh god please don't let this happen i'll do anything if you if you don't let this happen but i thought god wasn't listening back then then you go through denial Denial. I'm not talking about the river in Egypt. I'm talking about denial. Uh, That's when you deny things are happening. You literally say to yourself, there's nothing wrong. I can do anything. There's nothing wrong with me. Well, I had a dropped uh, right foot. And through all this, my right hand started malfunctioning. So I couldn't do the intricate surgeries that I could do. But you know I was smart, Dr. Sawyer. I became left-handed. And I was able to do everything with my left hand that my right hand could do. But back then in 2003, they didn't even have the tools developed to help a left-handed surgeon. They didn't have scissors to cut things with. They didn't have things for left-handed doctors. So I had to develop them all myself, and I did. But then you go through a period of time that's the worst, and that's depression. Dr. Sawyer, have you ever been depressed?
0: Absolutely. I've tried suicide twice.
1: See, it is the worst. It is dark. It is the dark days. That's when everything is black. You can't sleep. You can't eat. You wake up. You said, why am I doing this? It's miserable. I'm not going to be alive anyhow, so I might as well end it all. But you know, Dr. Sir, you pulled yourself through that. And you realized that there was a better thing to happen. So, you know, back in 2003, I didn't know what to do. So I went to my wife and I said, dear, what should I do? What do I have? She said, I haven't got the faintest idea. She said, but you're smart. You can figure it out. I said, thank you for the vote of confidence, dear. I just saw hundreds of doctors who couldn't figure it out. Now you're telling me I can figure it out? She said, of course, you're smart. Well, back in 2003, something new was just being developed. It was something that was so new and so innovative. It was called the internet. You ever hear of that, Dr. Sawyer?
0: I was on it in 96. Yes.
1: <laughs> and do you remember how difficult it was to get on back then? I missed you, us. Had to, you had to get on by dial on connections and you put your phone in a cradle and I went and communicated with another phone and I went re-ah, re-ah, for something like 15 minutes. And finally, when it connected, you had to communicate with a primitive language like DOS because there was no memory in computers. There was no Dr. Google. There was no Dr. Yahoo. There was nothing to really help us with things.
0: Not even windows.
1: Not even <laughs> windows. There weren't even doors. There wasn't anything. It was crazy, Dr. were, But, you know, we persisted, and it's the result where we're, we're at today. But I had friends that were nerds back then, and they helped me to find a way. And I found a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado, by the name of David Martz, who had a story very similar to mine, but he got worse much more rapidly than I did. And he was on his deathbed when a doctor from Texas came up to see him. And he looked at David and he said, David, I don't think you have ALS. I don't think you have Lou Gehrig's disease. David was so weak at that time. He said, what do I have? The doctor from Texas says, I think you have chronic Lyme's disease. I think you were bitten by a tick. And I think that's mimicking ALS. I think with this, with this knowledge, he said, I think I can make you rapidly better. So we started about on treatment. And within two weeks, David was like Lazarus arriving from the dead. So I knew I had to get in touch with David. So I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I got in touch with David at the Methodist Hospital there. And we talked for hours. And David said, can you come down and see me? And I said, when? He said, how about immediately? I said, David, I can't. It's our Thanksgiving weekend. My wife has invited 50 people over. She's going to kill me. He said, aren't there any planes in Canada? (laughs) <laughs> he wasn't going to let me off that easily, Christine. He said, you've got to come down. You've got to come down and see. Me. And so I went to my wife and I said, dear, I'm going to be away this weekend. She said, where are you going this time? You're always away teaching people and helping people. And I said, well, this time, dear, I'm going down to see a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado. He claims he can help me. My wife said, well, what are you waiting for? I'll pack your bags for you. I'll even drive you to the airport. Let's get going.
0: What a lovely wife.
1: Yeah, she is a well-known early life. And so I got down on a plane. I got on a plane from Edmonton to Denver. It was a great flight, about two and a half hours long. And then I got on a flight from Denver to Colorado Springs. It's only 15 minutes long, but it's the flight from hell. Have you ever been on a rinky-dink puddle jumper?
0: Yeah, I did. Over the Grand Canyon. It was...
1: Well, this is a very similar thing. The problem is at the end of the day, the air comes off the desert and it creates eddies and that creates turbulence. So the plane will be flying along and it'll drop 100 feet without warning. It'll climb 100 feet and it'll drop another 100 feet without warning over and over again. It's like the drop of doom at Disneyland over and over. It's like a roller coaster, it's like a Ferris wheel, it's like a wild mouse. And you're thrown about like a, a cork in a hurricane. And it's just am- amazing that you get off that way. Well, it's why they have
0: that, bags in the front seats. <laughs>
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah, I, the, they use that barf bag for a reason. It's right there. And it's just awful. Well, I got off and I was green. But you know, I crawled off the plane and there was David on the tarmac to meet me. You know, it wasn't that long after 911. And they didn't have safety precautions yet. He drove his truck right onto the runway. He was seeing a well known doctor. He was a well known doctor. There was no problem. So david said you don't look so good i said i don't feel so good and he said well dr like it's probably a metaphor for everything you've gone through and so we talked and we talked for hours and david said some miraculous things he said i think history is repeating itself i think i can make you miraculously better and as a result of his treatment, I was able to maintain my status as a world leading cosmetic surgeon for over 30 years. I was able to lead the pack. I was able to leave the field until I walked away last year to help people in other ways, to help people. You know, when you go through something like this, Christine, God has given you a second chance. He's given you a golden ticket to do something that you could never do otherwise. And that's what I do now. I help people in other ways. And through the ways, I found wonderful things. And I wrote a best-selling book in 2020 called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And it became a bestseller in the pandemic of 2020. So I'm very blessed. I'm very happy to have done that. And I'm very happy to share with others the golden pearls that I've learned along the way. Christine, do you know what forms a pearl? How a pearl forms in nature?
0: It's an oyster. They get a sand corn. It's an impurity and the challenge for the oysters to encase it to protect itself
1: exactly so instead of being destroyed by that grain of sand it produces something beautiful instead of being traumatized it produces a beautiful wonderful thing and golden pearls actually exist they exist in the south pacific and they are so rare and so wonderful that a single solitary golden pearl can cost upwards of ten thousand dollars but people have golden pearls inside themselves They have beautiful golden pearls and people just have to discover them inside themselves to figure out how to make their world a better place and make the world a wonderful place. And that's why you and I are here today to help people with those golden pearls, to help people find a beautiful, wonderful existence that they have.
0: Wow. Alan, that is so well said. I love your metaphors, your images. It is just gorgeous. Well, and you, the story I was figuring, is he getting to Lyme disease eventually? Because it sounded like it from, well, coming you know from what? Germany. Disease I saw very- it, you know, coming from Germany, I saw Lyme disease every day as a dermatologist in and, my and clients. You know- And when I came to Canada, I diagnosed it in my husband, just clinically, the early stages. And what a time I had to get him the antibiotics. The doctors didn't understand it at all. And he had to go to a dermatologist here because the family doctor says, well, the test is negative. It can't be like... and I didn't want narcotics I wanted an antibiotic come on
1: you know it's still a terrible disease yes it's still terribly misunderstood
0: absolutely people
1: do not know about it and people do not know how to fix it you know it's funny now that we have COVID disease and we understand there's chronic COVID disease yet we're not willing to understand there's chronic Lyme's disease you know it's it's crazy
0: it is. There is. And the, they are similar bacteria. They're spirilla, spirochete, just like syphilis. It's a similar disease, borreliosis, syphilis, COVID. Well, COVID is a virus, but still, come on. They have three stages.
1: Exactly. And the problem is that that hard phase, the chronic phase, is something we can control, but we can't cure. Yeah. And that's the problem we are with all of this, is that we're not willing to, un- we're our limited knowledge
0: it's so important when it's when it's found in the early stages it's so easy to treat and i had to fight to get my husband the medication the simple medication that i know he needed and that would cure him and save him from the fate that poor you had to endure
1: well you know in canada and we're still very naive and very, very backwards in this. You know, there's only a couple of doctors in this world that really, uh, I call them uh, Lyme knowledgeable doctors. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to the United States to get treated because in Canada, they weren't willing to accept it and understand it here.
0: I think it's not that it's not available. It's sometimes a willingness to consider that it could be something else.
1: Exactly, e- e- exactly. And You know, a famous country and western singer by the name of Shania Twain had chronic Lyme's disease. And it's becoming more common that people are starting to realize that disease actually exists.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have an advocacy group here in Nova Scotia where I am. I spoke in in front of them a few years back and it is so important that people fight for their rights because it is their lives at our stage and not every doctor is willing to fight for their patient.
1: No, and, and the problem is this is a difficult disease to
0: treat. Very difficult. It's a chameleon.
1: Exactly. It takes and it, it mimics every other disease. It looks like every other disease. So it's not an easy thing to really put your finger on. It's not black and white. And and you know, when things are black and white, it's fairly easy, you know? Yeah. But, but the problem here is we're dealing with something that is not black and white. We're dealing with something that is really a shade of gray.
0: Oh, listen, you can answer me a question, Alan. In medical school in North America, is it true that the students are told, when you see hoof prints, look for horses, not zebras?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I wrote a blog post about it, a framework for reasoning in healthcare. You might want to read it. It's pretty good.
1: Well, it's typical. It's typical. But, you know, in medicine, we have something called a differential diagnosis. Right. You know, that's what we have to realize in all this, that in the big frame of things, not everything is black and white. Not everything is pure. And so that's why it's important to realize there's many different paths that lead to it. And that's the truth of human existence as well. You know, some of the biggest things we have to face in human existence are not necessarily diseases, but it's our own diseases that come about. It's like we talked about, it's about depression. It's about the cages we put ourselves into. And and remember, uh, Dr. Sawyer, it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens that is some of the most important things that come about. That by, by getting outside those frames, getting outside of those things, that we're able to transcend our existence. You know, it's the depths of despair that allow us to see the heights of emotion. It's the things that allow us to see the greatest things in the world. And so we shouldn't be saddened by the fact that we have difficult things in our life that we have to go through. We shouldn't be saddened by the things that there's challenges. That's proof that we're living. The only time we don't have challenges is when we're no longer here. So we have to realize that some of the greatest things that come about are because of the challenges that we face, some of the things that we face. And I I think that's some of the things we have to be grateful for. And, And one of the things I always tell to people is, you know, gratitude is one of the greatest things we should be happy for. And every day we should write a little journal and say three things we're grateful for. Like today I saw I was going to be on your show. So I said, geez, I get the opportunity to share with some wonderful people and be able to help them along the way. What a beautiful day this is. What a wonderful day this is. And we can make the world a better place as a result.
0: That is so true. And I have the same purpose as you say. and. Most people that have a certain life experience and transcended difficulties and developed their attitude for millennia. When you look at the philosophers of ancient Rome and even before, they all said similar things because it's eternal truth. And I love it how the way how you formulate it in our modern world. So, Alan, let me ask you, if one of the listeners or Even if one gets helped by this story, it would be wonderful. But all of you, if you want to look at Alan's book or learn more about Alan, invite him to speak in uh, front of your group, how can they contact you?
1: Yes, let let me do something because I've been so successful with my book. I'd like everybody in the world to read it. So I'd like to give a free digital copy to everybody. And all they have to do is go to the following website 13gp, 13gp now, 13gp, gp as in golden pearls, now.ca. 1313 gp now.ca. 13gp now.ca. And I'll put pearls.
0: it below our video too. Yes. So they just can see it and just type it in the browser and boom, get your wonderful book. 13gp now.ca. That is so wonderful. Thank you so much, Alan. It was wonderful to have you on this show.
1: And if they'd like to get in touch with me, they can go to my website, drdrellenlyca.com. Dr. And Alan I will put Leica.
0: that link underneath also. There's space. Right. Because then I'd love to be able
1: to talk to people and get in touch with me because I'd love to be able to help others in the way that I know I can do. And, the, and this is what it's about. It's, you know, and I'm going to challenge your, your listeners today. And that's to do something for somebody else today that they would not regularly do. I'm going to ask them to pay it forward. I'm going to ask them to maybe say hi to their neighbor that they haven't said hi to all their life. Maybe they could go to their neighbor, bake a dozen of cookies and give it to them. Maybe they could go and give a contribution to the food bank today because there are people that are starving in our communities, Christine, that really need help today. And it would make the world a better place. And that's how the world will be better as a result of all this.
0: Thank you, Alan. Wonderful to have you on the show. Thanks again.
1: Well, thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here.